0: Quick note before we get the intro and episode started, we did not talk about Kyrie's 60 point game on this episode of Combos Court, but we did discuss it on a live stream in the midst of Kyrie dropping those 60 points. So listen to this episode, enjoy this episode, and then when you're done, go over to the Beatball Breakdown YouTube channel to hear Coach Nick and myself talk about Kyrie's 60 point game and more. Combo Nation! What up everyone? Welcome to episode 349 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. Punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to Combo's Court. Press the follow button if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app. Today's show, Coach Nick of B-Ball Breakdown joins in to discuss the scoring sprees around the league. Are the Celtics legit title contenders? And where does pop rank all time when it comes to NBA coaches? Plus, more. You can find Coach Nick on YouTube at Beatball Breakdown. That's B B A L L B R E A K D O W N. You know, you can find me on Instagram at One Two Combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. coach nick great conversation before the pod now we're on the bot welcome to combos court how are you feeling today sir
1: uh i am good i'm good i mean you know if if you want to call a great conversation just me complaining about everything Then okay that was great thank you for letting me i should lie down on my couch behind me and uh, continue that conversation
0: i didn't know i was a psychiatrist coach nick i did not know
1: (laughs) You have another you have another, uh, another uh, profession if you're looking
0: for one. Most definitely. All right. We've seen all kinds of scoring eight b- outbreaks across the league, scoring sprees, LeBron, KD, Steph has 47, Cat has 60, which you actually put out a video about recently. Um, so everybody go check that out. But have you ever put any thought into um, why is this happening now? Like I feel like there's more scoring sprees than ever, right? Wait a minute,
1: there was uh, six 50 point games in March alone. Uh, yeah, it's with, crazy. One of them being 60, LeBron having two of them. So, one reason is that people are jockeying for position in the playoffs. So, you're going to see like guys say, hey, I got to put you in my back and whatever, I, I think is part of it. Another thing is you're getting to that part of the season where like some of these terrible defensive teams are don't give a crap anymore. And you know what I mean? They're just, I got to get my points. I got to get my contract. I got to get whatever. So, I mean, the defense they played against Cat was, uh, Pops should be. Frustrated, at the very least, it was not. It didn't look like a very well-coached uh, defensive team at all. Now they're not a good defensive team. They're 21st in the league in defensive rating, but like it, there were still mistakes going on. You know, from guys that you wouldn't assume that would make those mistakes. So that's a part of it too. Um, it would be an interesting study. I bet you we'd see a lot more of these big explosions in this time frame but like you know, at, sort of after the all uh, the, the um, All Star game, but before the playoffs. For some reason, this is the m- time of year where like. You know, sometimes you get that, uh, what is it, G G A F uh, kind of t- uh, playing style. In the, well, the I
0: guess definitely on the defensive side, it would seem that way, right?
1: Yeah. So I predict, I bet you the rest of March, we'll see, uh, you know, the first week of April, uh, a few more of these scoring explosions. I mean, listen, Cat had 56 after three. Dude should have had like 70. <laughs> yeah. Cat had 32 and a quarter, right? Uh, I think that was what it was. He had 30 or 32. Yeah. And it was just endless. And I broke it down. Like, it was kind of interesting to see how, it, how he got them because – um he, what what he's doing was trailing so everybody runs basically any a version of 21 or pistol where you, you you'll, you'll dribble to the wing now and then the big man trails to the top of the key and you throw it to him normally it's like a dribble hand off to the other side or he just swings it or whatever but when you throw it to cat and his man is sunk in the lane instinctively because that's what all everybody does is a big man you know he was making catches with 10 12 15 feet of space every time it's like you know, catch it and shoot it, shot fake and go. Like it was as the world is his oyster and it's, it's not really fair. I mean, that's why you probably have to guard him with a, a smaller guy that's quicker because he doesn't post up that much. He only scored on like one post-up last night. So, uh, you know, there was no adjustment there. And, you know, Zach Collins, I, I felt bad for the guy.
0: So, I mean, Kat is not on the level of a Jokic or MB, but he's super talented offensively. Um, he's not the passer Jokic is. And he's probably not as strong as a Embiid or has maybe his footwork. But why do you feel he's not on their, on their level? Is there something missing from his game that prevents him from being on that level? Because he is super talented.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a really good question. Because, again, it's like if he was as talented as Embiid, then you probably would see it reflected in the record, even though the record is okay. Um you know, for the longest time, obviously, the defensive side for him was a real challenge. And I think it can kind of still be that way. His body mechanics are a little bit weird and awkward at times, still. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, what does that mean for a guy that's scoring? I mean, what's his average? 25, 10, and, you know, something, four. I don't know, whatever it is. Um, so it's like, you know, okay, he cleans up the feet a little bit and the balance a little bit better. And so he scores, you know, 27 a game instead of 25 or, you know, so it's like, it, you know, but, but it, 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 on the margins, when you're talking the difference between like, you know, these two kind of guys, you got to start splitting some hairs. Uh, he's a better shooter than Embiid. Right. And that caused a lot more problems with that size. So if he had more of a presence like Embiid does on the defensive end, I suppose that would magnify his advantage on the offensive end a little bit more. And then that suddenly gets into more of the conversation. But yeah, it's, it is interesting that a guy that can fill it up as much as he can doesn't ever get into the conversation uh, for like MVP, for instance.
0: Yeah. I mean, he probably has the same aggressiveness as Jokic, but I would probably say that uh, Embiid is probably just more aggressive than him at this point. Right.
1: Um yeah although how about this consistently uh, aggressive I suppose is that what is the difference right because he he was aggressive last night he was going he was looking yeah, at that's back. true
0: that's true yeah you
1: no know, but yeah. but it's not always that way, and then the team is a little bit you know weird too sometimes and and you know uh inconsistent uh, as a team so um so that's, that's, that's part of it well, but he, let, me, let me say this about him real quick you know he's gone through some real tragedies in the last year or whatever, and it looks yeah. that way on his face. Um, He was focused last night, but I would love to kind of eventually see him get back to like, you know, finding the love of the game a little bit. Um, He just seems like a guy who's, you know, he's got that 10,000 yard stare and and I I totally understand why. And I I just, I I pray that one day he can kind of, you know, get back to healing more and find a little bit more, um, you know, joy in the game.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned that because I actually talked about this with Keandre of Hoop Intellect, who was on my podcast, Ed, talking about All-Star Weekend. Like, I don't know Kat personally, but I will tell you from what I've seen in the three-point contest, is that dude was so enthusiastic after he won that three-point contest. It kind of told me that he loves the game of basketball, which is not the case for every NBA player.
1: Yeah, right. And then he's just, he needs... I would like to see more of that joy and and, and really celebrate it. And he was focused, and I get it like, hey, man, I have a tiger kind of thing. But I don't know. In today's game, when you're talking about the mental aspect, especially when you're talking about shooting, from distance like there i i truly believe that there's something to the positive frame of mind anyway like to unlock your potential but for him i just feel i don't know it struck me more than anybody else watching the footage watching the you know i'm always cutting up all the close ups so i can use them you know when i'm talking in the videos so i'm looking at the close ups i'm looking at the facial expressions i'm always i'm looking for good ones to use where he's expressive and it, it just it wasn't there so you know i worry about him a little bit but you know he, he's he's doing really well and the team is doing better So uh, let's hope we can build on this.
0: Well, staying on big men, let's stay actually on uh, Jokic and Embiid. They played last night. Uh, You know that I have uh, Jokic as the MVP. I predicted him to be the MVP. Does this help his case getting the win? The stats, you know, they're pretty much even. Maybe Jokic's stats weren't quite as impressive as, as Embiid's, but he did get the win and he did play great. Does this help Jokic's MVP case or is it just one game in your opinion?
1: Well, you know, it sucks they didn't play against each other the first game in November or whatever it was because Jokic didn't play. Because I was actually going to do a video to kind of combine both those games and those head-to-head matchups. Um, so, you know, here's the problem. You know, the Sixers were on the second of the back-to-back after an overtime game that they barely pulled out against a terrible team. So, it, you know, you could predict they were going to conk at some point, like in the middle of third quarter. Uh, and they, they were blowing out the Nuggets, bef- you know, in the, in the second quarter. Um, so, so it's almost like the result might not, you know, shouldn't really have a much bearing on, on the MVP race itself. But if you want to do the head-to-head, yeah, I mean, listen, Embiid was 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 better and more dominant to some degree in the scoring end. But you know, Jokic threw sixteen dimes, so I don't know what it was, something crazy like that,
0: right? Like a, a double-digit. Yeah. And some really, and some really impressive ones, like the look oh, he away, had one, yeah, the look yeah, no away at transition, said. yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and I, I posted that one, that one around, and uh, and you know what, like I, I know I've thrown that pass, and I'm sure you've thrown that pass, but I haven't thrown <laughs> it against. You know a bunch of guys who are out there are six nine with a seven two wingspan that could run you know a four 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 forty whatever that is so um you know, so so that's what's impressive about it, too. And also that, you know, they, they did come back. And let's not pretend that the Nuggets uh, team right now, compared to, like, what the Sixers are, you know, that's a, they're not as good as the Sixers in theory, pound for pound and man for man, I don't think. Um, I mean, listen, I like Will Barton. I like Monte Morris. But, you know, they, without the other guns coming, you know, still on the, on the injured list, it, they're just a shell of a team. Um, here's what I thought. I, I will throw this out there. Can I light somebody on fire? Is that Okay.
0: I don't know if we want to do that on combos, score we might get somebody in trouble. I don't want you to actually light somebody on fire. Isn't that against the law coach, Nick?
1: Yeah, I, I, I proverbially I'll we'll light them on fire. Not, okay, there, gonna,
0: there you go. There you go. go we're going to
1: light Doc on fire for a minute, dear, because um, the play that turned it all around, I was, I was kind of half watching it. I was behind, so I'm kind of skipping, you know, uh, the commercials and the timeouts and whatever. Trying to watch it quickly, like you know, I was a half an hour behind or 45 minutes behind, so I'm watching, watching. It's like, yeah, the sixers are doing really well, they're up 14, maybe 15. Like, they could blow this thing out, whatever they can't handle, you know, the embiid and Harden combo. Um, hey, con- no pun intended. And, um, so James Harden goes to the basket, initiates a little contact, then. <coughs> Ripped uh, on the way up and no call. The referee was right there, had a good view of it. And, and in real time, I was like, oh, man. And I, and I feel bad for Harden. I know no one else does. But this whole change of the way they're calling the game this year has obviously affected Harden more than anybody else. And in it, some sort of boomerang effect where there are, there are plays he's not getting calls. And it's ridiculous. But this one, he kind of wigs out and it gets really upset because the ball went out of bounds, I think, off of him. Or no, they got the steal off of it. But so there was one thing for him to be upset and we don't always see, I mean, we we see James Harden, you know, he'll throw his arms up, you know, he does do it, but it's not usually very long. But then Doc comes flying in there and he does his normal thing, which is Always been a frustrating thing for me. And I always th- thought it added to the agita of the other players, like when CP3 would lose his mind and the doc is helping him lose his mind. Blake Griffin, it like it was a cascade and then they play terrible. That was the moment they were up, you know, 1415. And then from that moment on the De- Denver Nuggets completely took over the game. So it's hindsight, but like, you know, I could, I wondered in real time, I'm like, this is interesting. This might be a thing. And sure enough it was, And I think it was in the second quarter toward the end of the, you know, near the, the halftime. So um, this is a problem that you got to watch for with the Philly, with Philly, because, you know, you know, in the pressure of the playoffs, Doc's going to lose his crap if it's a bad call or whatever. And I, and I worry with this makeup of this team and is not that kind of leader. Who's going to like say, Hey, Forget the refs. Keep playing. Like, he's not that really that guy. James Harden is not that guy. And so it's going to devolve, and I, I'm, I'm very concerned because I, I have high hopes for the Sixers, and I think they could do really
0: well, but not if they're going to crumble that easily. Do you feel that refs subconsciously give the benefit of the call uh, to players who are really playing well in a game? I feel like when a player struggles, they don't get the benefit anymore. And then, like, the refs are thinking about how hard it just didn't show up. And, and this is more of a general question, but I know, like – I know, like, me personally, when I was really playing really well, locked in, in the zone, I feel like I got more calls on those nights. Do you think that's a thing?
1: I would like to think that it's not a thing. And I'm searching my hard drive in my brain right now to, like, for any kind of instances where i felt that way. And I nothing's coming up. So, you know, what, the only thing I ever noticed about a guy, like, when he's really hot, for instance, is that somehow the ball just keeps finding him. And, like, and he's open. It's weird, right? That's the weird thing I noticed. But I don't know if the refs start to give you. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe I can kind of, you know, sort of nod a little bit on that one, but um, nothing like overt in my mind, uh, you know. And then, then on the flip side, like if I'm missing shots, I'm not playing well, then all of a sudden I'm not getting calls. Like, I don't know. I, I think, and, and if you were talking about the context of James Harden, he's, he's just a guy, there might just be fatigue. There's the MVP fatigue and there's Harden fatigue where, you know, he he instigated so much contact. I bet you refs for a long time were like, I really wish I didn't have to make this call, but I, you know, the rules are saying I have to. And when they finally kind of adjusted some things and somebody whispered, hey, you know, because by the way, the Harden stuff really wasn't addressed in what they wanted to clean up this year, but somehow magically, uh, it, that's what it became more than anything else. And so, uh, and by the way, you know, Harden's getting plenty of free throws. We can't pretend that he's not. So it's still a difficult situation, but, uh, you know, he, he's got to let those things go and let, let keep the game, you know, positive for him.
0: Let's let's take it to the Celtics because they're a hot team. I've been critical of the Celtics for a long time just because of their isocentric type basketball. But it does seem they're doing a lot better job of that move of the basketball, taking spot up threes. And you could see it. I mean, you could look at the numbers and see they're taking more spot up shots. But if you just watch them play and use your eye test, you could tell that players are catching and shooting more often, which is great. I even really like when Jason Tatum does it, he doesn't need to go off the bounce. He could just catch and shoot. I think that's awesome. Uh, their defense, they always had the tools, but it's really coming together now. So my question to you, coach Nick are the Celtics legit title contenders.
1: Well, you can go and watch my video from a couple of days ago on, on this. Cause I did a, well, you know, I, the headline was that, you know, uh, Tatum out, outplayed uh, Durant. And then, but then the whole second half of the video was like why they're playing so much better. And, um, So a couple of different things I thought are are key for them. They didn't increase their passes per game very much at all from the first 36 or 37 games where they were very mediocre to the last 27, 28. So and that was interesting because it feels like they did because the ball is moving a lot more. You know, a guy like Marcus Smart increased his catch and shoot threes by a big percentage and that and uh, by a big frequency percentage, and then that his percentage itself went up a lot too. So that he by making himself more efficient, all of a sudden that you know because he's turning the ball over more than he did. And so it's like, at least he's balancing that out with some better, better plays. Um, it's really a, a sight to behold to see how suddenly they decided to flip a switch and like start getting more middle penetration and kick and then more, you know, one more passes. It's, it's really amazing. Um, so they are, they put themselves in the mix. There's no question defensively too, they scram switch as well as anybody, which is really important when you have a mismatch and they can get the guard out of there and a bigger guy to take him without missing a beat and out without giving up a, you know, a layup. That's a really complicated thing to do when you guys – you got guys like Horford, um, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, um, you know, Jason Tatum is putting out on defense more than ever too. So whatever Imei Udoka did, you know, if there was some team meeting in the middle, whatever it was, it, uh, it really, really worked. And I wasn't so sure because he seemed like he was negative and really kind of getting down and calling guys out in the media, things that like don't normally work very well. So. <laughs> You know, uh, so far, so good. It, it has worked, and I'm glad to see that, and, and his no-nonsense approach has is, is really been a radical difference. So, yeah, Jalen Brown, by the way, another really good defender. So they have yeah. a lot of good defenders. Um, Grant Williams is, is, is playing as well as I've ever seen him play. Um, and so these are the guys that, like, yeah, they, they are finally coalescing in a way that they were missing. I think getting Schroeder out of there, no one seems to want to acknowledge that maybe he's not easy to play alongside. But I don't know. I, I feel like I see him yelling at his teammates a lot and getting really frustrated during games. And that just could kind of wear thin a little at, at some point at his ability level. So um, remember, if LeBron James is going to get on you, that's one thing. But if it's Dennis Schroeder doing it, that's another. And so uh, I think they realized they didn't need him anymore because they were getting a lot of good play out of the other guys. So all those things, you mix them together and um, and they're going to be, uh, you know, they, they could get to the conference finals without question.
0: Yeah, at least Schroeder and the Rockets are showing some flashes now, though. That's a that's oh, a you know flash. what? I I
1: haven't watched the Rockets uh, in the last.
0: Jalen Green is starting yeah. to look better. I mean, you know how the uh, NBA fans are. If you have one bad half a season as a rookie, they think you're done forever, and it looks like that's not the case with Jalen Green. Oh, we saw that with Cade Cunningham after like two games, so we know yeah. how NBA fans are. But um, you mentioned Pop earlier, and you come from a coach's perspective. So I would really like to hear your thoughts on this. He became the NBA's most winningest coach. Where does he rank all time among coaches in NBA history?
1: Oh, uh, very close to the top. I mean, like, here's the thing with pop. It's too bad is that his, and I worry about this with like LeBron too, is, we tend to remember like the most recent stuff uh, as they, mm-hmm. when they retire. Right. Although uh, magically for Michael, you know, like nobody really remembers the Washington wizard stuff. Right. Like it kind of is, doesn't really exist very much. Um, so that's good for him because, you know, he was still good, but it wasn't like, you know, Michael, uh, I, you know, we'll get to LeBron in a second. We should talk about that. But um, so with Popovich, you know, they've been, they haven't been good for a, a while now. Right. And so it's like, I worry that, you know, and it's sort of like, What's happened, right? There was not a lot of fanfare, right? As far as I could tell uh, for him breaking that record. But that record's a weird one too. It's like, you know, breaking Lou Gehrig's record. It just takes so long to do that the accomplishment, it almost doesn't, it's hard to wrap your head around that. So, but to answer your question where he ranks, I mean, you have to put them up there with Red Arbach, uh, Phil Jackson, uh, you know, and Popovich, you know, there, there's only like five guys, Pete Newell, John Wooden, like there's not very many coaches you can put uh, ahead of him, uh, on that list. And, um, you know, and he certainly deserves it. He, he revolutionized the game as we know it uh, with, that, with the, the beautiful basketball the Spurs were playing. Um, and, um, you know, th- there might be some stuff I, I, I criticize him for now and maybe, like, wondering just how much, you know, Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, you know, how much of uh, that was – the success was more on them versus the coaching. Um, but uh, there's no question he, he put together a, a program – that uh, that that it was is the gold standard for any NBA team
0: yeah you mentioned you wanted to talk about LeBron for a bit and we could finish with that I really find it hard to like compare to LeBron to other players in the league now it's almost like he's a legacy act and in my opinion it's like he's it's not his era anymore post his era already like some of these rookies um, were like one years old when he started playing at the NBA so it's just quite amazing that he's able to play this well obviously there's no team success and some could argue that, you know, he can't carry a basketball team like he used to. But I find it just really difficult to even, like, put him in the mix for when it comes to top players. Like, right now, I would have KD as the best player in the world and then Jokic right there underneath him. But I wouldn't even know where to place LeBron among those guys.
1: You know, the, 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 enough is not said about how well he's been able to score the basketball at that age. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he picks and chooses his spots. He's, you know, usage is high for him. He's not playing any defense. And so I would hope he has enough energy on offense by doing that but you know uh it, it's uh, it, I worry that he's going to have a big explosion at some point he's going to lose his, his shit and and just starts I mean we're seeing a little cracks here like there was that offensive rebound that he he didn't get it was on him and then they put it back in and, and there's guys, young guys, and they're just jumping and they're grabbing it. And like, he, he's just powerless at that point that he cannot, he can't compete with the young legs anymore. But then, but then it's like, after they get the bucket, it's like he's looking around for anybody else to blame. And he's done that in the past too. And it's, you know, it's frustrating. And I, so I worry about the, like the legacy part, because first of all, you know, the, uh, until the last game when they got blown out, like he was playing his normal 37 minutes in the middle of uh, the end of a blowout. And so the reason is, is because, you know, people say he wants to break Kareem's record. And so is that going to violate this unwritten code that we're supposed to have about like, you're not supposed to be going after stats like that. Now, if if he's already gotten to the point where he realizes that, you know, Lakers are not going to make the playoffs. I'm not sure they're gonna make the play in. I mean, the only benefit they have is that, you know, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans don't want to win. It doesn't seem like, so they're going to be the 10th spot, right? Uh, What is it? Seven, eight, nine, ten. They're gonna be a tenth spot, I think, right? That you know, because New Orleans is 11. Um, I believe I had to check more recently. But the point being that um, so so at that point, if you realize, okay, we're not even in this at all, then I might as well get mine. But but I am worried, it's it's hitting me in waves now. I'm watching these games, a lot of these Lakers games. And I'm like, then this this could ruin or this could hurt his legacy a little bit.
0: I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to go after stats, especially if it's over for your team. You know, I I just, I just don't think that's as bad as people would say, like, at least he wants to play ball. Like he could just pack it up. That would be worse in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean that, that would be worse. Um, people pay to go, you know, those games and see, um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's an archaic no, uh, days gone by notion of like teamwork and how you're supposed to play and, you know, everyone's poked holes and all those different kind of ideas for years. So, yeah, I think that your take on it as someone younger than me is probably, you know, closer to what everyone's feeling or at least anybody your age or younger than you clearly be like, yeah, go for the go for the Koreans record, of course. Um, you know, I, I, on Twitter, I'll see it. And I even asked the other day when one of those games, I'm like, why is he in the game? Cause you're worried he's going to get hurt. And that's really why you take those guys out in those blowouts. And, and so how bad would that be if he gets seriously injured and, 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 you know, because he's playing, they're down 25 and he's playing with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, you know, that, that would be more of a tragedy in my mind.
0: Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to lose. Losing's the worst, but you know, dropping 30 is fun. Yeah. It's, it's more, it's more fun with the win. But it's well, he made the mistake of doing
1: that thing at, uh, on on Instagram, saying, "Remember all these comments? Remember at the beginning of the year? All the uh, we'll we'll we're gonna throw them back in your face." It's like you can't do that. You can, I mean, or if you do do that, expect for people to be like, "Okay, you know, you you are you made a big mistake here, you know, and and this is not working." And and everybody knew it wasn't gonna work even when he wrote that post. But um it's but, true. Yeah.
0: It's true, like, NBA Twitter and NBA fandom is wrong a lot of the time. Like, I remember they were kind of, like, wrong. The majority of them were wrong about, like, the Bulls this year. They're like, why'd you pay DeRozan so much? But uh, this take, I think, when it came to Russell Westbrook, NBA Twitter was right.
1: Uh, yeah, they were. Yeah. Everybody was, yeah, it was easy. Yeah.
0: And, 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 and
1: uh, NBA Twitter was right, and LeBron specifically was wrong because it was his deal that he made um and you know that's the other thing that that's always the kind of thing that kind of you know rubbed me a little bit off with him is that he he kind of takes control over entire franchises he takes control over the coaching staffs and um i I don't know i mean i I just as a as a coach i just feel like well that's not cool (laughs) yeah i would you know and so but but hey it 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 has worked and he's won in the past but so you know it's a complicated situation because obviously lebron is the man uh as a man as a human deserves you know, the things he's done with charity and building the school. And it's like, it's, it's more impressive than anything he's ever done on the court in my mind. And, um, and so, so he, I, I don't want to denigrate like who he is as a person and just the fact that he was anointed this, you know, I just watched, what did I watch? I was watching some documentaries. Oh, I know Uh the, the, the last team to beat him in high school uh, got back together mm-hmm. and they did a mini documentary on sports center. I never watched ESPN. But I happen to have ESPN on after the game, and was in the background. But I started watching, so they had the they had the high school guys are right now, you know, they're all forty something now, and they're all they came back as a reunion. But like the fact that they anointed LeBron as like a sophomore in high school to be that guy, yeah. and then he became that guy. you know, everybody else who's ever been anointed that way has crashed and burned, and it's been a nightmare. So the fact that he did that is is really like the testament to him. But there's a, sometimes he gets a little bit uh, gets his gets his. Gets in front of his skis too much and uh, and it backfires and um, and 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 here we are.
0: Yeah, I mean the expectations were crazy, the hype was crazy, but one could even argue that he exceeded it. He exceeded expectations. Like who would have thought he could put up numbers like this at this age? I mean, I know you know he's been losing, but just to be one of the best players in the league, maybe somebody out there could argue he's the best player in the league at this age. He's almost exceeded expectations, especially when it comes to longevity.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, no question. Yeah. so um all that and more so it's yeah. like i don't want to take anything from his legacy i just it just struck me the other night i'm like i'm a little bit worried that this could do something to it, but you know, and then we'll, all, we'll all forget that, you know, he played in all these blowouts to get extra points, you know, a few years from now we, that's the other thing is we have, we forget all that stuff and tend to remember mostly all the, like the good, impressive, amazing highlights. You know, it's, it's probably one of the reasons why Russ was <laughs> considered, you know, an elite player coming into LA at the beginning of the year. Cause that's all we were remembering, but, but clearly the issues we saw with him where it had been happening the whole time.
0: Coach Nick, Thank you so much for taking the time. Everybody go subscribe to Beatball Breakdown on YouTube. Uh, you know, you can even catch Combo on there sometimes, uh, which is great. And yeah. uh, awesome videos, as always, Coach Nick. I've been tuning in. Um, where else can we find you?
1: You know, Twitter is the best place. And uh, I promise to get back on IG and, and TikTok. I, I, you know, haven't been doing it recently and, I, and I'm and i remiss. But otherwise, if you want to get me directly, yeah, Twitter is, a, is the best way. b Breakdown.
0: Great stuff, Coach Nick. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. I'm in. There it is, another episode of Combos Court. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to Coach Nick for joining in. We appreciate you. Go subscribe to Beatball Breakdown on YouTube. You know you can catch me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 350. Combo out.